Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we've got our first reporter interview of the offseason. we got Ryan Dunlavey of the New York Post, uh, the Tony Award, the third annual Tony Award winner. Um, so glad to have him on. Now that the defensive coordinator, position coaches, everything's set in stone, Justin, we could finally start, you know, figuring this offseason out. Yeah, and I'm even excited for the combine too because I feel I feel like some of the information that Dunleavy talked about may be outdated once it gets to the combine and we have an idea, especially with free agency stuff and there's some draft rumors that pick up. But Bobby, I, I don't say this often because if I if I said that every episode of Talking Giants was a must listen, you know that would just be a flat out lie, and then you wouldn't believe me when well, I said it was. For some people, it is. No, but, uh, but no, what I'm saying like I'm talking about even like the the, the masses, like oh, I'm gonna click in every once in a while. Or I'm only going to click into the big episodes. Like you wouldn't think an episode that we put out on February 20th is a big episode. This is a must listen. This really is a must listen. I mean, last year, I remember one of the biggest nuggets that Dunleavy dropped was, oh, Cordell Flott and his position and what the coat, what some of the coaching staff and how the scout or how they view him, right? That was a big nugget last year just because, oh, the Giants won nine games. They won a playoff game and there was nothing really big and dramatic going on. Now there's big and dramatic stuff going on and Dunleavy brings it from start to finish, whether it is with, the Kafka stuff, uh, what you know, what the front office is thinking, even about Dable, and then obviously ending it off with with some free agency stuff. So this is a must listen, can't miss episode of Talking Giants. Well, I like about Dunleavy is he makes it clear, like, okay, this is like informed. This is my opinion yeah. on this. So uh, even a lot made of it clear where it was like other people have reported this, but this is what I know, and and I I even liked how he distinguished all that it's like yeah well you know we know that other people may know other stuff but he's like this is what i know and i'm like ah i love it just he's a transparent dude which i which i love that's why i won the tony award justin right. uh who do we who's who's bringing us this episode oh factor factor is bringing us this episode and i'm serious when i say that factor is the sponsor and the partner that has kind of changed my life the most i mean it because it's a meal something that i can get every week i've been doing every other week um, because I've just been loading up on on some other meals, and you know, sometimes I, I sometimes I'll have factor for lunch and dinner. Um, but I've been usually just having it for dinner recently. So I get like twelve meals. Sometimes I feel eight. Sometimes I feel twelve. Every other week. Sometimes I get it every week. Um, and you could customize it. That's the best thing. I could go in my factor order, microwavable ready meals. I put it right on my plate, and it looks like I'm having a gourmet gourmet meal, and it tastes great. So I 100% mean this. So. I could, I could go on the website and be like, oh, I want to skip this week. Or I could customize whether I want a more protein, if I want a veggie option, if I want calorie smart options. There's even so keto and vegan options in there too. So you The can vegan customize. stuff is actually good. Like I, I get some of the vegan stuff in mine, right? Like mine's not the vegan plan. But like I got the vegan chili and I was like, this is legitimately good. I was eating it during our John Boy Media meeting last week. So it's it's I love Factor. I, I, want us, I want them to sponsor us more. I know John. Well, we need Giant Factor throughout the regular season, um, and uh, I for shits and gigs, I was like, I'm gonna get the steak. They have steak, and you know, usually like you don't microwave steak. That's a big no no. It takes out the juices and the flavor and the stuff like that. It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome, and it was coached like medium rare, which that's exactly how I love my steak. So. Head to factormeals.com slash Giants50 and use code Giants50. Get 50% off. That's huge. That's code Giants50 at factormeals.com slash Giants50 to get 50% off. Factor will change your life. It changed mine. And Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. And here's Ryan Dunleavy. Come on. Pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. 
Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we're now welcome on to the program. Tony Award winner. The third annual Ryan Dunley of the New York Post. Ryan Dunley, what, what is it, what's it like to be an award winner on? And I would like to apologize that you don't have your shirt or trophy yet. I'll get them soon enough. Uh, I don't know how many Tony Award winners have then talked to Kadarius Tony a week after winning the Tony Award. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Did you tell him that you won that award? I did not. Him and I, I would not say we are good friends. Um, he saw me. I said, Kadarius, do you have a minute? He said, I guess. <laughs> I I asked one softball, and then I asked. Uh, so we all saw the tweet that said, you uh, think the Chiefs are making up injuries. And he said, I'm healthy. And I said, so then why, what were you trying to say in the tweet? He said, you saw, I explained that on Twitter. You saw that. I said, yeah, but he said, so why are you asking me that? And I was like, well, because it's what people are interested. But why are you asking me that now? Uh, well, because, yeah, that's what I thought. Next question. So uh, I did not then go, well, you know, I won an award named after you. <laughs> it, wasn't natu- it wasn't a natural segue. Uh, that well, sounds like a great like way to break the ice. There's yeah. no natural segues in the Kadarius Tony interview, and that's why the interview is named after after him. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, so we I, we just we thought this year that I would send this stuff to Justin, and uh to, and hand it to you personally, but that's just just hasn't happened. So I think well, it's gone. Too. Yeah, we but you're I mean we're you're supposed to have the trophy and the shirt on for for the interview, and unfortunately, uh, you know what? Have me back another time. I enjoy coming on with you guys. We'll do one in the spring or something, and I'll have it by then. That's what, yeah, the, we that's what the it's what the the mini that's what the van series is for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah well, we do this. You know, we have a like wrap up. You know, the draft in the spring, and then and then the van you can bring. I'll it wear too. like a sweater underneath, and then I'll do a big reveal. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll have it on underneath the sweater. Yeah. So, um, this is the last Tony question because I know that's not what people are listening to this for. We noticed this year that people were there was a a lack of acknowledgement of the tony award like in years past i feel like your colleagues were very bit very salty that it wasn't theirs this year uh i did notice that i did notice that i i noticed i when i listened to your podcast and you brought it up it uh i noticed that too i don't know why there was not a lot of hey great job congratulations Mm. yeah i don't know it's a good it's a good question there's uh there's a there's often uh there's often back padding on the beat, like uh, "Hey, good, good scoop." It's not one of those beats that ignores each other's scoops. So uh, I'm so I, I I was surprised, but uh, this just means that next year, when whoever wins it, when I'm ineligible, I don't have to go out of the way to tell wow, them. Wow, great call! I'll just acknowledge that you guys do a great job, but not who won the award. I I, I like it. I like At it when you. The, as I like to say, I take a lot of pride in being a very, very petty man. So. <laughs> Let's get into the Giants uh, now that now we've we've wrapped up Tony. I'm, I'm the more and more we do it, it's just becoming a, a regular award, so it's it's hard to talk about it all year long, like when, when it was first and fresh. But I, I was glad that you got the win on it. Uh, I appreciated it. Let's get the let's get the Kafka stuff. Let's let's talk about this. Because Mike Kafka is still here. He got the assistant head coach uh, promotion. Um, you know, 
at the end of the season, I basically did my own anonymous poll of asking anyone I could, what do you, do you think my Kafka's gone? And I got every single person said, yes, he's gone. And then the senior bowl asked and people told me that, Hey, he's, they're not going to let him work, uh, you know, get a, do lateral interviews. Did Kafka want out? Was there a smoothing over? Like how, how did this all go down with Mike Kafka? All right, so my <clears throat> sources tell me over the course of whatever it was, three, four months, yes, he wanted out. I don't know to the extent of how bad his relationship was, was with Dable. Obviously, there's reporting by some of the other reporters on the beat that tell talks about some of the things where they butted heads. But I do. my own sources have told me that Mike Kafka wanted out, wanted a lateral position, uh, wanted to become an offensive coordinator somewhere else because he believes that uh, Brian Dable will be the offensive play caller this year. So a lateral move is not necessarily a lateral move because he's believes he's going to have his play calling duty stripped. So that makes offensive coordinator with play calling duties somewhere else more than a lateral move it may it makes it a promotion it makes it keeping his current job so yes i believe i think i said in december i put the over under at two and a half coordinator changes i thought for sure kafka was gone i thought wink was the wild card there obviously it turns out wink was gone and kafka staying i think what happened once the first once mcgahee was fired and the wink uh, situation became the public disaster that it was for both parties. Let's be clear. It wasn't just for the giants. Didn't work out well for wink either. Uh, I think then it became kind of a PR management situation, crisis management situation where the giants didn't like the optics of losing all three coordinators. It wasn't an untenable situation with Kafka. Uh, so they were able to bring him back, give him a promotion with a promotion at a, and a title change comes more money, which probably placates him. But make no mistake, guys, when you go, Mike Kafka interviewed for the Seattle head coaching job. He didn't get it. In the course of those interviews, it get anyone I talk to tells you it would be stunning if he wasn't asked, hey, if we go in a different direction, would you be interested in running our offense too? So the... Seahawks don't just blindly put in a, oh, maybe Mike Kafka would be interested in this. No, they know he would be interested in that job. The only reason he'd be interested in that job was because he doesn't think he, he likes his place with the Giants. The Seahawks aren't blindly asking for permission. They already know Kafka wants them to do that, and then the Giants block it. So I think that tells you it was there was some unhappiness on both sides. Optics take over. They find they figure out it's not a totally untenable situation. How can we make this work? Well, it's good for us if you stay. It's good for you if you get a little extra money. Let's make it work for one more year. Do you think Brian David will call plays this year? I do. Yes, I've I've thought that since the middle of last year. Uh, I do believe he called plays during the second half of that Arizona game. I've heard that many times. Uh, oh. I don't, I don't know if he called plays at any other point after that. Other people have reported yes. I can't confirm that. Um, so I don't know if Shea Tierney called plays at some point. Other people have reported that. 
I can't confirm that, but I do know that Dayball, or at least Sorcep told me Dayball called plays during the second half of that Arizona game. And I do know Brian Dayball, and I know Brian Dayball is the kind of guy who, when he is on the hot seat, as he will be this season, he is not the kind of guy to go down without it being in his total control. He's the kind of guy who is going to do everything he can. He's going to take power into his own hands. He's not going to go down with Mike Kafka calling the plays. He's going to go to my strength is my play calling. If we, if I get fired, it's going to be because I didn't do my job, not because my lieutenants didn't do their job. So it's, it's one thing to just, you know, take over offensive meetings, right? Like I think Dable had every, every right to do that. And I, even if, Kafka still called the plays. I would be fine with him taking over essentially the offensive meetings. He's the he's an offensive coach. But if he calls plays, does did he? Why doesn't he have a mindset of optics be damned? I want to get an offensive coordinator in here who's not going to call the plays, but at least it more aligned with my vision. Whether you know maybe even Davis Webb, you know who had a successful year as the Denver uh, QB coach, or just upgrading Tierney and. Because, like you said, he is on the hot seat and he's going to be judged, judged on his performance and not the optics of this offseason. I think you answered your own question. is because the guy would have been Tierney and he's in the room anyway. So, like, it's not like he was going to go outside and bring in somebody else to replace Mike Kafka who was going to have all these new ideas. He was going to replace him with a guy who's going to be in the room anyway. So what's the so what's the difference, basically? Okay. <laughs> and you don't Justin. think that you, you know, you understand. You understand what I'm saying, right? Like if no, but I, like, I think more or less the the questions but, that we have are surrounding Kafka. It's not necessarily about who's going to replace Kafka. It's it's a matter of Mike Kafka's role and Mike Kafka and Brian Dable's relationship and Brian Dable's relationship with his assistants that maybe they're unhappy with Brian Dable and Mike Kafka certainly seems to be in that boat. At least the thing that I think that he would learn from the Wink Martindale situation is. If, even if they had an uncomfortable relationship in 2022, all right, we'll be one, so we'll just make it work. We'll just make it work. Clearly, it didn't work in 2023 and th things came to a head. Why not if this is something that a coach wants? And if you're not going to grant a up-and-coming coach that has gotten two head coaching interviews in back-to-back off-seasons and has made it to final rounds of both jobs, of both of the off-seasons, why not grant him what he wants Letting him go if you're not going to provide him the opportunity to call plays and excel in which he's in a role that he's trying to excel at. No, like, do mean, you understand that? Like what? I like do, what I'm saying? I do, but I think it. I think the NFL is about self-preservation, and I think for Brian Dable, it still makes it look like, oh, here's another guy who wanted out. You know, who another one guy who wanted out from my coaching staff. If I can salvage it, and obviously, when I say. Kafka wasn't unhappy. I think you guys probably could tell from Mike, po Mike Kafka's podium interviews what I know about him from asking about him. He's not the explosive, make, you know, kick and scream, cause a problem kind of guy. He's generally uh, follow the chain of command, not create a stir kind of guy. So, like, you throw him a little extra money, he's... You know, his family's comfortable here. He he just kind of goes with the flow and says, you know, okay, I'll, we can make this work more than like, you know, more than like uh, wink, you know, kicking and screaming or right. whatnot. They just kind of basically, it's like when you're in a relationship and it's like, should we break up? And it's like, 
And I think we can make it work, basically, is I think where they're at now. I don't think they're back in love. I don't think they're, you know, fighting every single night, like, uh, you know, like uh, on the verge of a breakup. I just think it's kind of like they've reached the point in the relationship where they're just like coexisting. So I guess basically it seems to like really what it seems to come down for me is, for for Brian Dable's side can Brian Dable mend the Mike Kafka relationship without him calling plays? And is Mike Kafka's vision and relationship with Brian Dable and the Giants, does it come down to him calling the offensive plays? Because it, see, it seems to me, and again, I don't know Kafka, I'm, you know, I'm not in the building, I'm, you know, we're not around them every day, but it seems like to me Kafka's relationship with Brian Dable and the Giants improves if that's a yes, I'm, I'm going to be the offensive play caller. That's what it seems to be. Is it that yeah. black or white? I mean, I think he would be happier. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be better for his career. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, I would say, yes, he would be happier in that regard. But again, I don't think he's a rock the boat kind of guy where, where if he's not calling plays, he'll still give you his best effort and, you know, look to look to move. And for his sake, like I said, I think his family is probably, he doesn't have to move his family. I think he shows, you know, it shows that he can work in different kind of situations. Like there's different positives that Kafka will say. If he goes somewhere else and it doesn't work, then you know he's look the old uh, James Betcher. Like you're on the head coach trajectory in in Arizona. You come to the Giants, people think you're going to be a coach. You flop, and now you're five years later and you're a linebackers coach, right? Like so. Mike Kafka goes somewhere else and it doesn't work. And then all of a sudden he's never getting another head coaching interview again. Right? Like it's, he's established himself with the giants as a head coaching candidate. Say he goes to Seattle or goes somewhere else and has a bad year. He might never be considered a head coaching candidate again. So right. like this seems to be working for him. So maybe just stay in this role, bide your time for another year. And uh, who knows, maybe you're the interim coach by December. If the, uh, <laughs> If the Giants are three and three and twelve, please let's 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 hope not. With Dable to to wrap it up on this is like you said with Wink, there was no smoothing it over because of the personality that Wink Martindale is, and he kind of took his ball and went home. You know, even mid season, right? Uh, is there has there been conversations whether it's Mara or Joe Shane with Dable and a realization that there needs to be changes in the way he does? business because we know he's a, capable of being a really good coach but you know how you handle people is obviously a big as big a part of the job as it is calling plays and you know creating game plans that will be the number one question joe shane gets asked at the combine that will be the number one question that might be the only question john mara gets asked at the owners meetings in march um my understanding is yes both that those conversations they don't blame Brian Dayball inside the Giants building. They very much are, you know, rally around their guy, blame the outsider. Wink was more the problem. But yes, there has been a message inside of, yes, this needs to get fixed. Whether it was you who started it, you who didn't patch it up, you need to find a way to make it work, whether it's your fault or not. So there needs to be a wet, you need to change something to make these so that this doesn't happen again with this incarnation of your staff. Which I feel like is the right approach for them. Um, no, they will rally around their guy, support him. 
and then also say you need to find a way to make it work. Remember, John Mara wanted to fire Tom Coughlin after his third season and was talked into like Coughlin, the leadership committee, the players, let, let Coughlin try it this way, et cetera, et cetera. So I think John very much wants to say, oh, coaches can change. Is there any indication, you know, you bring up Mara, I know he hasn't spoken. You said you're going to, you know, you're going to, I guess there's going to be some sound bites that we'll get from him in March. Is there any indication on where he's at, his patience level with this regime, expecting results versus letting Shane and, and Dable continue to go about their process? You know, they talk about process all the time and let it go its course. Um, any indication on kind of where, where he's at at all, or we kind of got to wait and see for March? Uh, yeah, I think you kind of, I mean, I've heard mixed things. I have heard he's impatient. That wouldn't be a surprise. He's off seeing him kick garbage cans and throw chairs, right? So, like, I heard he was very, very caught off guard with how bad this past season went. Uh, but he does believe in, you know, that he's had too quick a trigger in the past. I would imagine he's wrestling quite a bit internally with the direction of this and, you know, the idea of what to do if another bad season happens because he certainly doesn't want to keep changing general managers. That's the last thing he wants to do. Uh, so is there any scenario, guys, where you keep Joe Shane but don't have Brian Dable? That's one of the things that's risky. Everybody celebrated how tied at the hip these two were when they were hired. And like as a positive, well, that's great. Except if it doesn't work, now you do you have to fire both guys or can you really have a Giants that are Joe Shane's Giants without Brian Dable? I mean, I mean that that doesn't that, feel like that, it, right? I feel like the answer has to be that they both would get a year four unless it goes like complete, complete utter disaster. I mean, because Dable, be to me, Dable's done a better job than Joe Shane. But you kind of need to let a GM like you know he's not he's not a doofus, right? Even if he hasn't had the best you know, decisions yet. He's not a total doofus. You kind of got to let these guys work but a four-year plan. To, the bar has to be above you're not Dave, Dave Gettleman. Like, right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, giving these guys, again, unless it gets total disaster this year, a fourth year, as long as it's not a total disaster. Well, what's a total disaster? Is 5-12 and 12 again a total disaster? I feel like it depends on how that 5-12 and 12 looks and how, and, and honestly, more than the wins and losses, how this offseason goes. Yes. If that five uh -huh. and twelve includes another two and eight, then I think it's a uh, then I think it's a disaster. And that and honestly, it, it I think it comes down to the start where it's it's every year. I, I think that that's every year where it's gone bad for the Giants, and you know even the one year where it went right. I mean, you saw such a fast, explosive start. You know, and one of the things that I, I don't I don't know even know if this is a question, Ryan, but I was re-listening to the Joe Shane presser today. I saw your tweet, and you know this is this is the line that I kind of. Re, well, rewatching it, this is the one line that really stuck out uh, during the rewatch that we didn't see the first time. But especially knowing now what we know about Kafka and Wink and you know, D you know, Dable's kind of impulsivity with some uh, decisions as a coach. We're this is what Joe Shane said. We're still in year two, so things were pretty good in year one. He mentioned how he, they, they got off to such a fast start in 2022. Maybe you didn't see where all the issues were, whether it was in the building, on the team, in the coaching staff, and then of course the rose-colored glasses line. He mentioned that a few times a few times there too you know are they simply through this process of 
drafting, free agency, on field. You know, he even gets specific to, uh, you know, strength and conditioning. Is it really just going to be, you know, wink? You kind of hinted at it no already because they're going to look at Dable internally. But is it just going to be Wink Martindale was the issue, was the problem? That was the problem, child, and we're going to continue to go about it. Like I, I don't know. Like, I, again, I'll, I'll leave it open ended. You saw that I already tweeted about that, that so you have some thoughts. The Giants' mo. The Giants' mo is like we got rid of the problems. Everything's okay, and never really fix the you know ne- like. Just toss it out and then, you know, act like everything's better. That has been their MO for a decade rather than really do a deep cleanse. Like, you know, uh, like, uh, you know, so you sign a sign a bad free agent or whatever, just get rid of that free agent, not fix the like scouting process that led to that fix the pro personnel department for 10 years. Uh, you know, uh, waste first round picks well okay well that was just a bad that was just a bad pick well no get to the process so like their mo is like blame wink he's out the door not fix the actual problem like how did it fester to this point um they let joe judge and dave gettleman not talk to each other for like four months like how did they think that was going to how did they think that was a good idea that the head, head coach and gm wanted different quarterbacks uh, during, when uh, Daniel Jones was hurt, they wanted to sign different quarterbacks. How did they think that was going to be resolved? So, um, yes, they're they're very. They've been for ten years a very like surface level cleaning rather than a deep cleanse. It'll be very interesting to see how they handle this if they do the deep cleanse on uh, the root of the problems, or they just act like oh everything's fixed now that. You know, Shane Bowen will just fall in line. He'll be the good soldier for Dave Get- for Brian Dable. You know, it's ironic big, to hear that 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 is like if that's their thinking. I mean, you look at the defensive rankings and you look at the offensive rankings. The, the last two years, the defense is better. So that's all. That's also strange. Really? To hear. I disagree. I think the offense has been better over a two-year period. Oh, you, you know what? You guys should do a podcast. You, Justin, you could be Wink Martindale because that's what he said to Brian Dable is. Your offense sucks. My defense is carrying us. We'd be better in the stats if your offense could do, do its part, part of the bargain. And Bobby, Bobby, you could beat Brian Dable and say, uh, I'm getting more out of my talent than you're getting out of your talent. So that's basically the argument they had is the one you guys just had. Well, I'm talking about over a two. Obviously, the defense was better this past. I'm talking about over a two-year period. I run D- Ryan Dunley. Why don't you close the hole in your face for a second? Because it's time to talk about DraftKings. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers who deposit $5 or more can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 back on a bonus bet. Uh, if you're going to bet on the NBA, bet on under on Ben Simmons. I'm, I just cannot believe he's still on my my Nets team. We did fire Vaughn though, so that's happy. That's my that's my joy as a Nets fan is just firing the people I don't like, which is almost all of them. Download the you know fire Josiah. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code World. New customers can get a no sweat bet up to a thousand dollars if your first bet loses. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code World. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler or in West Virginia www gamblernet in New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 
888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Butel Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no sweat bet per new customers issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expires 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com. Com slash promos for deposit, wagering, and eligibility restrictions, terms, and responsible responsible gaming resources. You'll be glad you did. All right, let's let's let me think of another question for for you, Ryan Dunleavy. The biggest thing decision they have to do that will shape their future is quarterback. Even though they don't have an easy answer on the menu, what is the thought? What do how do they view that position from owner to you know to head coach because? You know they've they've left every door open in the press conference answers. Um, I don't believe from my sources that they view Daniel Jones the same way that they viewed him at this time last offseason when it was like we cannot lose Daniel Jones. Uh do I think there's a chance he's still QB one going into the next se- season? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think there's a very good chance that they use their second pick, whether that's a second round pick or trade up to a second first round pick. I do think there's a chance that that's what they end up doing at quarterback. And then you're looking at the JJ McCarthy's Michael Penix's Bo Nix, somebody like that in the, after picking a Romo Dunze or a Malik neighbors at six, I think that's possible. Uh, I do think there will be competition for Daniel Jones one way or the other. Um, but every decision they make, this is why it was smart that you guys started with like Wink and Dave, like every decision they make, I really feel like has to be colored by how much, what timeline are Wink and Shane on? Like if you're going to let them pick a quarterback at six overall, then you must know that they're going to be here beyond this season, no matter how bad things go. Otherwise, Let's just pick a guy. You're going to let them pick Jaden Daniels at six or trade up to three and pick Jaden Daniels or Drake May. And that guy's going to what sit on the bench for like a couple games and then take over for Daniel Jones and have his, unless he's CJ Stroud, have his typical rookie struggles. And then you're going to fire these two guys and the next GM and the next coach are going to come in and inherit your second year guy plus the Daniel Jones contract. And it's going to say, that guy's going to say, well, I like, you know, I like pure pocket passers and I have Jaden Daniel. So now I have to start over at quarterback. So like, I feel like if you're going to let them pick a quarterback high in this draft, then you must know that they're on a bit more of a timeline than one year. I feel like every decision they make has to be colored by how much patience they have in Dayball and Shane. If you're, if you're John Mara and you feel like these guys are leading the ship astray and they're kind of on the hot seat. I'm very reluctant to, to green light them picking a quarterback, especially a Jaden Daniels who might have to sit for half the rookie season. I'm very reluctant to do that. And they should be reluctant to do that. If they feel, if you're Dave on Shane guys, and you feel you're on the hot seat, don't you need to put every resource into win now to, to make sure that you can have the best team. I'm not going to use one of my three premium resources, like say a free agent contract, a second round pick and a first round pick are my three big things I can do. And I'm going to put one of those into a rookie quarterback who's going to sit and I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to have either a $40 million backup in Daniel Jones or the number six 
pick as a backup quarterback when I have holes at right tackle, two guards, quarterback number one or two, uh, probably safety number one, ru probably running back number one, probably wide, re wide receiver number one, and I'm going to have a $40 million quarterback and a six number six pick and tied up two assets like that and quarterback. I, I mean, if I'm those guys and I feel like I have to win, how am I picking a quarterback? So I think everything, especially quarterback, has to be painted through the glass of Shane, Dable, and Mara better be on the same time timeline of what their future is with this organization. I, I want to unpack that because there's a lot in there. So you mentioned that Daniel, like, they don't view Daniel Jones the same way they did last year. That sounds like the Shane Dable side of this. And you talked about winning now. I mean, did Tyrod Taylor open their eyes a little bit? That like, hey, Ty and I don't think Tyrod Taylor was particularly really good, you know, but he did create explosives that have this offense oh, yeah. has been begging for. Where if they've, if they were, if they were able to trade up into the top three and get one of those a quarterback they believed in, I do think that would help them in their their ability to keep their jobs to get that second year with with the guy that they brought. Is it like, for, do you get the sense from the Shane Dable side that they would want to do that, even though that may not even be on the menu because those three teams could just stay pat? I get the sense that there is questions in the building as to why the offense looked so much, not, not just Tyrod, Tommy threw the ball down the field too. Why did the offense look so much more explosive with any quarterback not named Daniel Jones? There is definitely, and when I say that, I don't just mean Shane Dayball. I mean, some of the assistant coach mentioned that to me. Some of the players have mentioned that to me. It's interesting that our offense looked much more explosive down the field, took more shots with other with the other quarterbacks. There are people in the building who know when you ask them that question, their answer is, hey, whoever's telling you that isn't looking at the offensive line situation. Daniel played. You have 2022 as well, where that that's also the thing that bothers me is that people forget that that exists. But I know you're saying what you're hearing. Okay. Yes, I would agree with you. Is like people would tell you, hey, Daniel played behind a significantly worse offensive line, and not just that left tackle than the other two guys did. I mean, if you think those two guys were playing behind a D offensive line, Daniel was playing behind an F offensive line. But yes, Justin, to your point, like they didn't take a lot of shots downfield in 2020, 2022 either. Uh, and they tapered and, the offense away from it in 2022 when those shots were there and they wouldn't take Daniel them. Is, Daniel is capable of running, and I think Daniel defers to running very quickly. Like he knows he can do it. It's in his back pocket, and I think he falls back on it. Uh, it's been hammered into him not to put the ball in harm's way. So I think he very quickly, when you take the Jason Garrett coaching method of him of don't turn the ball over and five years of getting his ass kicked in the pocket basically by bad offensive lines, I think there is a internal mechanism in him to abandon the pocket and, and run when the internal mechanism in Tyrod or Tommy DeVito is Hey, I'm just going to give my guy a chance. So I want to nail you down on this. From your informed opinion, if there was a a reasonable chance to trade up to number three or number two, would Joe Shane and Brian Dable want to pull the trigger? Not would they be left there, would they want to? 
I think they would want to. Yes, I think they would want to. Okay, uh, I like I, I like hearing that. But you also but, mentioned the let part. But of I this. think they have to. But I think they have to know if I was. It's so weird that these conversations never happen because, like, they obviously need to happen, and yet they never do. I would go into my boss and say, like, "Hey, before I make this life changing career decision." What am I working with here? Am I working yeah. on a, am I on a short leash? But these conversations never happen. They should happen. Joe Shane should say to John Mara, hey, are we still on the same timeline here? Like you see this as a two or three more year kind of build that I'm going to get? Or like, am I am I in, under in pressure in November? Because the, Joe Shane, like you can't trade up to three if you're going to lose your job in November, because now you're you have too many quarterbacks and not enough other stuff. So if I'm losing my job, then I'm sitting there at six and I'm picking Odunze or I'm trading back to nine, picking Odunze and getting another asset that I could use on quarterback. So, um, yeah, but I think get because the other flip side of that guy, somebody listening to your podcast right now is going to say, well, if they pick the quarterback, that's their inherent reason for job security to be like, well, John, yeah, we went five and 12, but. Look how promising uh, Daniels is. You got to give us more time. Like we just picked you a quarterback, and like we got you got to let us develop him. That could be their the flip side of my argument would be that could be their soft landing spot. Is we have this asset, you got to give us time to develop him. All right, let's so let's unpack the other part of that where you you kept on using the word let let let, and that's obviously from an ownership perspective. And I want to see if this match is. We we talked about it on the pod and someone posted it and it went kind of viral. It's like we had been told that there is a mindset, even if this is just like a like you already picked your quarterback when you signed him $160 million. Is that coming from like is that the sense coming from the ownership group? Uh no, I mean yes and no. I like publicly the fans keep telling me, like, oh, you gotta let them pick their quarterback. I believe they already picked their like you, they, they did, but they if they like, will he let them admit their mistake and change yes, it? Yes, I think yes, I think so. I I want to say, and I know this won't be popular. I do not believe that you, there was from, and when I say I do not believe, I mean from asking around the people I know do not believe that re-signing Daniel was. Not, I know it's a popular, sexy thing among the fan base. It was not a John Mara edict of like we have to re-sign Daniel Jones, Joe Shane, tie Joe Shane up to a chair, and you know. uh gag him until he agrees with the john mara plan no I, that was so not the case i i agree with you 100 on, on that point when you're talking about the 2023 offseason but is there pressure to make it work with daniel this offseason like, even think, if it's not like you said not a mandated but we all know how that works right is you can you know the whole thing we always argue with the chris mara thing is like yeah there's you can make recommendations or make comments here and there when you're the boss Mm-hmm. you can say it's not a mandate or you're not meddling or whatever, but that does influence the way sure. that you view. So do like the, the scenario I'm trying to lay out is that would they be like, you know what, let's just pick a wide receiver at six instead of risking our jobs to trade up because at least the owner's all right with it and hope we can figure this out next year. Yeah. I don't know. I can't, I don't know if I can answer that. I, okay. I, all right. I, so that's what I wanted to know is yeah, like, if, I would if be, there's, I would be, I, yeah, I would be guessing on that. I don't know that. I do think if you're asking me what you asked me a minute ago, do I think that ownership would let them make a mistake and pick another quarterback? I do. I think that as long as you're there, he's going to let you do what you think is best, but you are burning through equity very quickly. If you 
bench somebody he had to cut an $82 million check to. Okay. All right. So the question now, I guess, is how much is that threat of you better figure this out influencing the Shane uh, decision on this? But even though I I just don't think there's really a – unfortunately, because they won a few games, that the answer really isn't even fully on the menu. Unless one of those top three teams is willing to trade down. I uh, when Today, February 18th, what do I think they're most likely to do is draft a second-tier quarterback and have a preseason competition between Daniel and that guy. And when I say preseason, Daniel might not even be healthy enough to have that competition. An ongoing into the season competition between Daniel and insert second-tier What is a second-tier quarterback? What makes you think that? Well, That's also, true. let's even break this down because there's obviously, I think, a second tier quarterback is outside of the top three. Yeah, I'm not asking you. I'm not asking you to pin down McCarthy or Penix, but well, I don't well, know. I, that's the thing. I don't know who. Like, some people want to tell you that McCarthy's like could be the number one p- overall pick in the draft, right? And that's what people makes the, that's he, what makes this tricky. <laughs> some people tell you he's the fourth best quarterback. Some people say he's the fourth best quarterback, but he's good enough to go six overall. Well, let's some, just cut out McCarthy. Let's just talk about guys that aren't viewed as that. Like, what makes you think that they would want to take a Knicks, Penix, fill in the blank in the second I round? I just think it's less risky, and it get, and then you have your day, and you can get your premier asset at one of the other huge holes that they have, probably wide receiver, uh, and then still address quarterback in a way where, okay, now we have two possible solutions. We have a competition. Dable believes in competition, and Shane believe in competition. So we have a may the best man win between Daniel Jones and Bo Nix to prove themselves. I kind of hate that, that I hope, I hope that's not what happens. Um, I'm kind of like a top of the, I'm like, I'm a top of the first round or bust when it comes to quarterback for the most part. I want to push you a little bit on without, I'm not going to, who told you this, but I do want to, because you mentioned about Jones and so you mentioned players that had the opinion about, oh, like, why is there a little bit of difference between the any other quarterback and Daniel Jones? You mentioned players, coaches. Is there any any other general broad title that you can people, give us? Uh, people in the building. Let's people in the building. Are the these people still in the building? Some are. Some are. Okay, and yeah. some are not. And some are not. Okay. And, right. But again, I also said some people in the building also say, look, it's very obvious. Because you get it from one, and then you get it from one group of people say, Hey, how come this looks so obvious? So you say, Oh, you know what? Let me ask somebody else. Why, why, why do they think it looks so different? And the number one answer you get back is the offensive line. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm going to wind you up. One, one player said something to me after the season that was very similar to the quote Garrett Wilson said about the jets that got a lot of publicity, uh, probably because he's Garrett Wilson and because he put his name on it. But one player in the Giants locker room said ve- something very similar. I don't have it in front of me, but paraphrased, it was very similar to what Garrett Wilson said, which was like, I wonder, I look around the league and I see teams throwing the ball all over the place and it looks so easy for them. And every time it looks so hard for us, it shouldn't be as hard as it is. That's something Garrett Wilson said something like that about the Jets. And a player in the Giants locker room on baggy day said something very similar to me. It was like, I look around the league and I can't figure out why other teams move the ball so easily. And we have so much t- trouble getting first downs. I have to agree with that player. <laughs> I, I want to get you wound up. What year will the Giants uh, be allowed to let Saquon go? 
<laughs> be allowed by who? By you. <laughs> That's a great way to phrase it. Uh, to me, they should keep him for this year and next year. So 2026 20, would be the first time I would say I could understand how he's not on the team. But they better have a better they better have another the real answer, I guess. Let me rephrase that, Bobby. When they have 2026 or when they have somebody else who's their best offensive playmaker. Because I'm not convinced that in 2026 he still won't be the best offensive playmaker. Like I how long have we been having this debate? Three years? They've had since they traded Odell Beckham, it's been like Oh, well, you know, running back, blah, blah, blah. Well, I hate labeling Saquon Barkley as a running back. He is their best He is their best offensive playmaker, period, running back. I don't care, receiver, tight end, fullback, whatever. He's the guy that offense, that defense. I was talking to players at the Super Bowl. Hey, uh, what do you think when you play the Giants? Just taper quarter off. What do you play? How do you approach the Giants when you play the Giants? Guys on both teams. You stop Saquon Barkley. Well, what if he's not on Saquon? What if you don't have Saquon Barkley? Hey, you don't worry about anybody. I was like, well, you know, they do have Darren Waller, Darius Lane. I literally, guys were like, so I don't understand. So the answer to that is when you have another weapon defenses have to worry about is the first time you're okay not to have Saquon Barkley. Okay. Here's, so I, I feel like I get, we get bogged down. This is, I'm not. Like, I agree with I, – I, I'm not anti-running back, right? Here's where I am at the point with Saquon Barkley, though, is that we're not coming off of year four, year five. We're, we're going into year seven. He's missed games almost every single year. And when he hasn't missed the games, he's been banged up and it's affected his performance. He had a bad statistical season. Now it's a bad, behind a very bad offensive line, right? I thought Saquon didn't make very many mistakes this year. But he also doesn't – do the things that he did early in his career had no runs over 40 yards his explosive run rate was way down um wouldn't that be like okay this is this is not what we want to invest two years of money like two years of a cap hit into and especially ryan i'll even throw this on throw this question on top of it you know, Bobby mentioned the offensive line. This offensive line is not going to be fixed in one offseason. Hell, it hasn't been fixed since you know since before Saquon Barkley was drafted. Are are we comfortable giving Saquon Barkley ten million plus dollars a year? And I understand it's to only have for a two bad years. running game. To have to have a bad running game because this offensive line isn't going to be fixed, and the NFL is just a natural game where your running game is kind of dependent on the performance of the offensive line. Again, my argument always goes back to guys is like. I don't think like uh like I like I don't think the Chiefs need to pay Isaiah Pacheco a lot of money. They have Travis Kelsey, a Hall of Fame head coach, Patrick Mahomes. Like my argument is very giant specific. And it's like, what is the Giants offense if Saquon Barkley's not here? Like you gave me all these stats that are all true, right? He doesn't have the 40 yard runs anymore. He does get injured a lot, but like you're gonna put in Matt Brieta or like Eric Gray, who they didn't even trust to like run the ball in blowouts this year or like, so like they didn't, well, they, they, they can't, they'd have to address the running back position. I'm not um, sitting here saying they're, what, I don't so agree that they, they're, how have the giants addressed the running back position? So well, they've far? had Saquon Barkley. So they, I, I have agreed with them. They're so, not investing more. So, My, while so, they, so while they had him, 
They didn't invest in replacing him. They tr- Their attempts to supplement him have turned up Golden Tate, Kenny Galladay, Darren Waller, all guys who have not lived up to the billing. Harris Campbell, <clears throat> Kadarius Tony, like they every time every time they've tried to do anything, it doesn't work. Well, so, I want to use your line against so you. To me, it's like keep your talented player because it's it's going to get worse without him. And he's like, well, how much worse could it get? Well, it could go from six and eleven to one and seventeen. I, I don't. I wouldn't go that far. Here's what I, you you mentioned before that you know they have a a bad habit of doing surface level cleaning instead of a deep cleansing. I feel like giving Saquon any anything even near the, the the contract they offered him last year is surface level cleaning instead of looking at that deep cleanse. Yeah, I mean you could certainly again you can make that argument, sure, but you better have you better have a plan. It better be like okay, then we're getting T Higgins like. Whatever T. Higgins wants, and he's now the number one offense, number one offensive option. We're getting T. Higgins, and we're going to pair him with, I don't know, whoever, like some. But if they don't get those guys, they're screwed anyways, even if they have Saquon Barkley, because they've had Saquon Barkley. They've been bad offensively for, you know, four out, you know, three, just, three I, out of the last four I years. I think people undersell, like, you just say bad. Like, I think you. Don't real I, 31st, I don't, 31st, 30th. Yeah, I, I think people don't realize how many warts he covers. Like, as bad as the offensive line is, it's those two-yard runs that people kill him for are zero-yard runs with somebody worse than him. Like, those, uh, you know, uh, those the catches, the win against Washington is a loss without Saquon Barkley making the catch on the sideline or the touchdown catch or the – the kid break the tackle touch again. You might be like, well, who cares if we win four instead of five, but John Mara cares. And a lot of giants fans who care about winning on Sundays care. So like, I just think people, yeah, it's bad. I just feel you can make that argument for a lot. Like without Darius Slayton, they don't go to the playoffs last year. I'm not going to pay him a top five wide receiver contract, you know, and I'm not comparing, I guess I am kind of comparing it. My point is just like, if if we were coming off year four and we had that four year body of work with Saquon or or three, say the ACL injury doesn't happen, I'm on board with you. But I just I don't see the same guy. And I also, from Saquon's point of view, is like why why would you want to be down here? Because they have wasted your career, like you've said, and it feels like this is a marriage kept together for optics because the Giants don't want to let it go their best playmaker like you said their only playmaker and Saquon Barkley wants to have a career after the NFL as a Giants lifer and all that comes with that I think and I think that's what I think that's exactly I would agree with you like I think it's a marriage of convenience at this point and they might both be better off going their separate ways but it's a marriage that's staying together simply for the kids and I and I and I do agree with you where I think the bet Honestly, one of the best arguments for Saquon Barkley is, well, look at the team without him. But still, I the fact that it is like so, you know, so bottom of the barrel, even with him, that's why I think it's like, yeah, it it's not surviving without Saquon. It's, it's trying to learn to walk and trying to learn, trying to and, end it. And there is a way. I, I really do think that I there really is a do. way with Brian Dable to survive without this. Because really, I, I think it is a, a point where you could see the benefits of having him because, like you said, well, who are you going to worry about? But I think that's the that's the next Giants challenge 
is that they need to actually invest and actually get right. Who is a defense going to invest in that is not a running back that is behind a very bad offensive line and a very bad offensive situation for, for, for many, many years? Look, you heard Kayvon say on the yeah whatever podcast that was. With Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony's. Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. Like, you heard him say, like, I thought da- Saquon should have got paid before Daniel Jones. He's not the only one in the locker room who feels that way. They all realize that Saquon carried them to the playoffs and did not Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones was a caretaker who didn't turn the ball over in his career best year. And Saquon carried the offense to the playoffs. Um, they know that they're not the only one who feels that he's not the only one who feels that way. And Saquon is without question, the leader of that line, the, the leader of that locker room, what he did getting guys to buy into Tommy DeVito really helped Tom, Tommy DeVito. Wouldn't be this wouldn't be that the giants wouldn't have won those three games. If Saquon didn't say to guys, Hey guys, this this guy has something special. We can win with this guy. Let's not quit on this guy. Like that stuff matters to John Mara. That stuff matters in a locker room. So like his voice is spoken. There are a lot of guys that are going to look around. And I know Dexter Lawrence got paid. And I know Andrew Thomas got paid. But is Joe Shane going to start his three-year um, his three-year tenure with, I can't pay James Bradbury. I'm going to let him go to the Eagles. I can't pay Saquon Barkley, who's the most popular player in my locker room. I'm going to let him go. And I can't pay Xavier McKinney, who just played every single snap and had the best year of his career. Oh, but he plays safety. And safety's like the def- the running back of defense. We can't play as- pay a safety. What message are you sending to your locker room? Guys who literally play injured, who perform on the field, who do your who lead in the locker room. We're, we're just going to use you up to the end of your contract and then toss you to the side. That is not a good message to send. I'm sorry. Well, he, let's I talk about Xavier that. McKinney because Xavier McKinney should be back on the Giants next year. Do you believe that he's going to be back? And if no. not, why not? No, I don't believe he's going to be back. Why not? Because to me, that's a bad look to let a guy, a, a guy coming off of his rookie contract who's performed well and has been a headache at times, but not... Not the worst headache in the world, even though those things tend to get a little worse as those as they get paid, though. Uh, positional evaluation. That's we, crazy to me. They paid Joe. They paid. They did. They paid the guys in in Buffalo. They didn't pay Julian Love. They replaced Julian Love with dirt cheap Jason Pinnock. Um, they. If you believe, generally speaking, if you don't believe in paying a running back, you don't believe in paying a safety. That's just the way it is. That's generally positional talking to executives around the league. If you don't believe in paying a running back, you see safety as the running back of defense. That's how guys around the NFL feel. So I don't know that Joe Shane feels that way. Like you said, they did pay the guys in Buffalo, but that happens to, I mean, they also paid Joe Shane was also in Miami when they paid Reggie Bush and he obviously doesn't believe in paying a running back. So just because your boss feels one way doesn't mean you necessarily agree with him. Maybe that's an area where Brandon Bean and Joe Shane defer. So or diverge. Um, so I think Xavier McKinney sees himself as a top five paid safety. I mean, he told me this year he believes he's a Hall of Fame caliber player. So 
he is not going to be looking for a hometown discount. Uh, so I think he'll be that. And I think the Giants will be looking to take that money. I think they'll make him an offer. I don't think it'll be what he's looking for. I think he'll hit the open market. And I think the Giants will use that money. Look, they have wide receiver, cornerback, right tackle, probably running back, maybe tight end, maybe tight end guy. Why weren't they tag him, though? Because that's uh, what's the tag for a safety? Isn't 16. it like. Yeah, I mean, I I just I I can't get behind true. letting. What do they have? Go. They only have. What do they have? They have 24? twenty. They have twenty one w- without cutting Mark Lewinsky. <laughs> so I mean, what, I mean, what are we talking about? But though, I mean, they'll probably get the thirty six to forty once they restructure Thomas and Dex, um, and you know, contracts. Are, the the discussion is how backloaded are they? But contracts are just generally backloaded in the NFL. I mean, to me, I I just. This team is so devoid of talent. That's I, I would it would be shocking to get a guy who's been healthy out, you know, forgetting a four wheeler action since his rookie year, has like you said, played all the snaps, is not it's not even like like Landon Collins, I was on board with that, right? Like he only fit a specific role. McKinney can fit in any role and he's gonna look better in a Shane Bowen type of defense. Yeah. I would be I would I just would not be on board. I I would rather pay Xavier McKinney a top five safety contract, even though I don't think that's what he should get, than let him walk. Uh, that's interesting to say because I think that's where I think it's going to be about money, and that's where they're they're going to have a pretty wide gap. Saquon and the Giants, I've I've written this a million times, had a gap of like one to two million dollars in guaranteed money at the end of the year. It is mind blowing that they could not get that done because. They would have had him last year for less than twelve mil, less than ten million on the cap. They we wouldn't even be having this conversation this year. He'd be on the team, which he should be, and then they could let him go next year. He wouldn't be on the twenty twenty five Giants. They'd have had him for last year for less this year when they need him still. And then again, let's go back to the Saquon argument. What does everything have to be colored through? It has to be colored through how much time do Dable and Shane have? If you're on the hot seat, you're going to let your best offensive player go. That's what you're going to do. If you're on the hot seat, you're going to let your what's what's McKinney, your second best defensive player. You're going to let him go. It's a very bold strategy for a team devoid of talent to let two of their four best players go in free agency. If you're going to do that, which it sounds like they're going to do, let's say their four best players are Dex, Andrew Thomas, Saquon and McKinney. If you're going to let two of those four guys go, you better hit home runs in free agency and the draft that we haven't seen Joe Shane or his predecessors hit in a decade. All right. That's an interview. Last question. Do you have a Tony endorsement for this year or maybe like a front runners list? Uh, hmm. I don't know. I feel like the scoops have been pretty, pretty, uh, pretty diverse. diverse. Yeah. I, 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 so I've actually been keeping track. Because this year I'm going total analytical, like yeah. you know, talking Giants love times. Well, you, you gotta know, have different scoops. levels of scoops. Like you gotta have. Oh yes, of course, of course. Yeah. There is different, you know, like me breaking the news that Karin Brasilla was denied in it, or not Karin Brasilla, the uh, the Falcons Alliance interview is not the same as, yeah. you know, McGahey got fired, which Ron on got. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I I am surprised. I am surprised that Jordan has not won the award in three years. He is consistently good. He's the kind of guy 
what does he come in second or third every year? I am surprised. There, there's a lifetime achievement factor that I'm surprised. He's consistently good every year. I'm surprised he hasn't won it yet. Well, he's he's, so he's Bills. off to a good. He's off to a good start, right? And he thinks I railroaded him, right? But yeah, I don't I, know if that's an endorsement on my part, but he is a consistently good reporter who has not won it yet. He's he's had a good start to the offseason. He'll be on this show before free agency starts, so that'll probably help. Um, he also does fill in the talking giants. I mean, he has me on his podcast, so that helps. He got screwed. He came very close to beating Art in year two, but I tried to give him some news. You know, and anytime I hear some stuff, you know, like, hey, what what do you think of this? That Nick Gates and Ben Bredesen were going to be rotating when Nick Gates came back. Or when Feliciano got healthy and Gates had that good game at center. And he's like, I'm going to post that tomorrow. And I said, screw it. So we, Danny King, out of all the, out of nowhere, broke that news. Out of and nowhere. then when Jordan tweeted out, didn't credit Danny King. And that, I'm telling you, he lost. That hurt him. He lost first place votes to nothing. He would, he, he probably would have won year two. Yeah. Credit Danny King. Yeah, that's that's the number one rules. If Danny King breaks news, credit him. That is the that's the quickest way to get the fan vote in the Tony Awards. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ryan, we uh, appreciate you jumping on with us. We will definitely catch up. Yeah, you know, once once all this madness comes to comes to a close after the draft, uh, where where can people find your work? Uh, NYPost.com. Uh, I'll be at the combine. I'll be. Uh... Uh, doing giant stuff all off season. Uh, I've heard some things that I'm trying to confirm that could be roster development stuff. So stay tuned. I'm, I've been trying to confirm it for a couple weeks. Uh, so could have some breaking news that could boost my, uh, that could boost my, even though I'm ineligible, my uh, candidacy. Uh, so maybe I'll, a little teaser there. I could have some news. Uh, Wait, coming. you gave us you gave us the huge nugget that uh last I mean last year it was coming off of a playoff playoff year, not a year of so much instability, but it was it was huge at the time about Cordell Flott. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, about like go, kind of going back to the. Uh, I go, so going back you know to what happened. You know what happened. I told I wrote I told you guys that Cordell Flott that the Giants thought he was better suited for the slot, and then training camp opened and he was on the outside, and. I got bombarded with your audience being like, you said he was going to be in the slot. You know, you were wrong. Blah, blah, but blah, then blah, they blah. moved him back to the slot. <laughs> yeah. Then, then what happened was the people who told I texted the people who told me and I was like, hey, you guys told me he was going to be in the slot. I look kind of foolish. They're like, no, we told you he's more comfortable in the slot. The coaching staff still wants to try him on the outside. Fast forward like three weeks into the season, he's back in the slot. I get a text, bet you don't look so foolish now. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you were right. Uh, that's a good source. So, uh, no, I could have some news. But, yeah, people can find me, uh, nypost.com, and my my X or Twitter or whatever is. Can I say something so I can say it to you? Because I'm, I'm comfortable saying it to you. Beat reporters got to stop saying it's X or just call it Twitter or call it X. every beat reporter. I when they plug their Twitter, every single one, whether it's not even just Giants people. When I listen to other podcasts, they all do the oh, I don't know is it X or Twitter. Just just say Twitter. R Y Dunleavy. Okay. And remember, I'm not even a. That's been on my chest for a long what's time. What's really impre- What's I'm really proud of as a Tony Award winner 
which I really appreciate you guys giving me, is I'm not even a Giants beat writer. Don't forget that. I am <laughs> yeah. not a Giants beat writer. It's an indictment on some Paul other Schwar Paul Schwartz <laughs> is the New York Post Giants beat writer. My colleague, I think he does a great job. But I am actually an NFL reporter who is 78% Giants, maybe 15% Jets and the rest of the league. But I am not a 100% Giants beat writer, which makes it even cooler that I won this award. So Yeah, Jay, Gla Jay Glazer, to me, I, I gave Jay Glazer my third place vote because, you know, I, to me it's about reporting on Giants news. All right, that's we got to end this episode. We're going a long time. Ryan Dunleavy, thanks for jumping on. Thanks, guys. Hey, Shirley, you better hope I never get back in there. I will kick your Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. All right, thank you, Ryan Dunleavy, for jumping on the pod. Uh, Justin, we'll be back Friday. Not exactly sure what we've got. Check out our Race and Radio podcast. That's uh, coming out after the Daytona 500. Um, and we will see. You got anything else, Justin, before we get out of here? I mean, I, I feel like I, I don't want this podcast to be an hour and a half long, but I, I almost want to go back and re-listen to the interview because I, I need to like break down all the all the nuggets that Dunleavy gave. However, there if there is one, I, I think he's operating, when talking about Xavier McKinney, I think he is operating from a free Shane Bowen arrival and during Wink Martindale like process. Uh, I, so that is the one thing that I will, the one thing that at least I remember before I go back and I re-listen that I like kind of disagree with. Um, I do think it's pretty safe that McKinney's back. So I kind of hope that Dunleavy's wrong and he is operating under Wink Martindale uh, notions. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what we'll do on our, our next podcast is our giants pending free agents. As we as we go into the combine and all that stuff, uh, but we'll, we'll figure it all out. All right, we will see you guys on Friday. Hope you guys enjoyed the Daytona 500 as much as me and Justin did. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go big blue. <laughs>